0: Welcome to MediVet Roundtable, hosted by MediVet Biologics, the world's leader in veterinary regenerative medicine. Today's episode features an interview with Dr. Tom Newland from Adobe Animal Hospital in Arizona. We talk about treating severe allergies with stem cells, as well as the importance of pet insurance. If you have any questions or need more info, give us a call at 1-800-365-9168 or shoot us an email at info at (laughs) medivetlabs.com. Right here. So, tonight, Dr. Newland is going to talk to us about treating allergies with stem cell therapy and uh, also atopic dermatitis uh, specifically. So, Dr. Newland, I'm going to kind of pass the mic off to you. And if you don't mind, kind of give everybody a background on yourself and why you decided to partner with Medivet in the first place.
1: Okay, well, um, that was back in probably August or so, maybe September of 2010. I had a client approach me about one of her dogs that she wanted stem cell. And uh, there was somebody in the area doing vet stem, and so I tried to direct her there, and she said, no, I don't want that, I want you to do it. (laughs) And so anyway, I told her, that's probably not gonna happen. And somehow, some way, she got you guys involved, and the next thing I know, I was, uh, in October, there was like three news channels here, with uh, Dr. Mike and the whole crew, and we did two cases that day. One was Lily, and that was the client's dog, and then the other one was my dog. Actually, Shiloh, my dog, it became then somewhat of a selfish reason towards the end of finally saying yes to this. I uh, Basically, he had severe bilateral elbow dysplasia and arthritis and bilateral hip dysplasia and arthritis, and you know, if you're a veterinarian, you do everything you possibly can when it's your dog, and I did. I did all of the supplements, uh, the non-steroidals, the steroids, you name it, I did it. And he was one that literally, um, probably out of all the dogs I had in my life, that dog loved to go for walks, and it was a point in time to where, I mean, a hundred yards, he was having difficulty. So anyway we paired up. Uh, we did those two dogs that day. It was nothing but a blur. Uh, thank God though for Dr. Mike, because he pretty much can take a show and run it. And, uh, it was amazing with Shiloh, um, to where it was a dog that we would go for two and three mile, uh, walks, uh, shortly after that. And that continued to the day that he died without him paying the price. So, you know, if there's ever gonna be a case uh, to be your own dog to get you in, uh, it definitely did. And then we just kinda took it from there. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a good pairing. I'm always amazed that um, we don't have more individuals involved. We're talking about therapy that um, is, to the most part, drug-free. We're doing something for the body that truly the body does on its own. We're just trying to super activate it. And so that's basically the pairing uh, of how that happened, Dylan.
0: And that's really great. And it was, sounds like it was a match made in heaven. Uh, I know we've done over a hundred cases with you. And, and aside from that case with Shiloh, your own dog, what what, what was probably the most memorable or impactful case for you? <laughs> how long do you have? <laughs> And we got all night. My-
1: I would say that, and again, it's been well over, well over 100. I'm sure we're well into to 300 or more. But I would say that um, the most out of a lot of the cases, and well, first of all, I would say it, the stem cell um, client is probably one of the best ones to work with. I don't know what the formula is. But when they step out of the box and they're all in, they're all in and they're grateful. So with that in mind, it becomes easy to do a lot of cases. The other thing too about cases is I I know, you know, everybody, because veterinarians are frugal. So everybody wants to kind of determine, you know, can that client afford it? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, a homeless guy on the street gets 20 bucks. He can decide food or booze or cigarettes. We all have discretionary income, so I would not try to decide for the owner. Um, matter of fact, I'll just do a quickie on the, the the fourth case that we did in October. So we did four cases in October. Was Thunder White German Shepherd? These guys live out kind of in the boonies out out of Phoenix, called Globe. They did, didn't have a lot of income, but they had enough discretionary income for their 11 year old white German shepherd that they decided to take the plunge and do it. Make a long story short back then we used to say 30 days, don't let him do anything for 30 days. Well, 30 days came and gone. Remember those days, Larry? Yep. 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 I don't remember those, you talking th- about this. Yep. 30 days came and gone. And, uh, he looked at me and he goes, and thunder was doing good. Thunder couldn't get up on his own. I mean that dog was doing fantastic, just like Shiloh was doing, and so he looked at me, and again, I, I, it's kind of that that a little bit of backwoods, like, "Hey, doc, do you think he could jump up into my truck now?" And I go, "I don't know. Let's go out and take a look." And so, most younger vets won't know what knee uh, or what um, Dotsons were, but it became Nissan. So he had this old Datsun pickup. We walked out there, that dog jumped into the pit. He opened the door, jumped in. I looked at him with a big, he had a big old smile on his face and the, uh, his wife, nothing but a shower of tears coming down. And that's really, I would say out of my career, that has been the most gratifying of stem cell. Getting back to probably the most significant case because those dogs will still live that have osteoarthritis those dogs will still live that have allergies. But um, probably one of the cases that I presented a long time ago, Stormy, who she was extremely sick, a seven-year-old mixed uh, Lhasa Shih Tzu breed, and um, had severe microvascular dysplasia. There's no treatment for that, none. So we ended up And again, x-rays, it's a very, very small micro liver. We had bile acids over 100. Um, We treated that case, and I, I really told her that I didn't think it was going to work because, and I'll say my famous saying to clients, these cells truly are inflammatory whores. We don't get the inflammation involved with microvascular dysplasia. And I said, the only thing I could think of is these cells can become endothelial cells. So with that in mind, we proceeded and, um, somebody gives their liver, half their liver away, usually nine months to a year, it'll grow back. So I kind of have a little bit of a, I wish I would have done my x-ray sooner than six months after a protocol of day zero 30 and 90, uh, because that dog, not only did blood work get back to normal, but that dog grew its liver back. That dog was not going to be long without this procedure. And I know, Larry, you probably remember that case. Got it. Um, I've got you were trying to get somebody down, what, in Texas A&M to, to, to get a study going. Um, so I remember anyway, said, that's, that's probably the Stormy? most memorable case.
2: Didn't you do Stormy because she had such a sweet personality you
1: loved her so much? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have a good memory. <laughs> that's, that's an inside joke. <laughs> yeah, this dog, this dog was so sick it didn't try to hurt me at all but and but the idea once that dog became better which was quickly um she'll tear your face off. So yeah, I do have a uh, fondness for Stormy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that's really great and that sounds like an awesome success story. Thank you for bringing it up to us tonight. Um one of the main things that i wanted to touch on was treating atopic dermatitis with stem cell therapy and i know you were telling me i think you've done what 10 cases uh, of atopic dermatitis so can you just take us through maybe one of those cases uh, that sticks out and kind of how you targeted it and how you kind of followed through on it
1: well i'm going to say a couple things first one i would not i would not limit it to atopic dermatitis i've had um, Cases that have seen the dermatologist, veterinary board, uh, dermatologist. And those dogs were, again, the very first one that I did was Emma. And Emma's been on the TV a few times. But this dog was a a food, uh, an atopic, and also a contact dermatitis. And the other thing I would say about these cases, for some reason, the more severe they are, the better they seem to respond. So if there's people out there that want to try an atopic dermatitis, or let's just uh, call it allergy dog, um, I would get one of your more severe cases. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I think before we go into, you know, well, why would this work? I can kind of tell you why it will work, but I will also tell you that there's not one thing that works on everybody. So we always got to keep that in mind when we're talking to the owners. I mean, you can pull out Apoquil. It's not going to work on everybody. point the same way. So what works on one doesn't always work on the other. But I would put stem cell as high as I would steroids. So I think it's a slam dunk um, if you get a, a, a severe case. I think theory on why it would work is that these cells have the ability to inhibit maturation of the dendritic cells. So dendritic cells are gonna be the ones that are going to present the antigen to the T cell. The T cell then decides whether friend or foe. If the dog's allergy, it's gonna be foe. And the idea where these cells then can also, they can inhibit or suppress T cell function. If it makes it to the B cell, then the B cells are going to be the ones that are going to elicit mast cell production, uh, antibody production. Uh, These cells also have the ability to suppress B cell function. And then again, lastly, they have the ability to, there's T lymphocytic CD25 cells. Those cells are responsible for turning down inflammation. These cells, the cells that we use, have the ability also to uh, interface with T lymphocytic CD25 cells. So we've got on one end suppression, on the other end trying to lower the amount of inflammatory response that we're going to receive. So in theory, and again, that study was done way before I started doing uh, allergy. There was a lady, I think her name was can't remember her first name, but I think it was Dr. Hall over in California that did a pilot study of five dogs. And it's been a long time since I read that. But I think her theory is sound. The problem is, is that she didn't have active of enough cells. And I'm just going to state, I, and, and again, Larry knows, Dylan knows, Josh, Jeremy knows, I don't work for Medivet. So the idea is some of the things that we have shown that on this webinar um, in the past, truly to be able to uh, make arthritis better. I mean, radiographically better. Vet STEM, STEM Logics, as far as I know, I haven't seen anything out there like the rosy X rays that we've done or the Molly X rays that we've done. So I think we're blessed in this group to be able to have activated enough cells that, you know, somebody may ask in theory, well, you know, How can you truly make arthritis better? I won't say go away, but much better. And I think the same thing with a fracture. You have osteoblasts that are going to put the callus on. And when the body feels that particular area is healed enough, you'll have osteoclasts that will come back in and remove. And I think that's exactly what happens on some of these cases, not all of them, but some of them to where radiographically, there's no dispute. I mean, there's no doubt that that dog has less osteoarthritis in that joint. And I know I digress. Sorry about that. No, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> sorry, Larry. <laughs> oh, no, I,
2: think, I think this is, I think it's great. You were talking about the, the atopic dermatitis. I don't have, you've had a few that haven't responded. I know you're, you're aware of the study that I was involved with at K-State where they did not show that much response. The thing that's, and I don't know if I've talked to you since, but one of the dogs, well, in fact, two of the dogs that were done in that study were non-responders. Okay.
1: Out of how many? Uh,
2: I think they did, what, 11, 10, 11? Two of them, two of them, and I mean, two were my clients. They they had several others that were non-responders or anyway, according to the protocol, which was the 30, 60, 90 day protocol the dog the gizmo is the dog's name she's a she's a white lab, but she did not respond i mean this dog was i mean summer was miserable for this dog i mean lick hot spots uh uh she'd lick her butt raw broken out all the time uh dog was miserable. The thing that's interesting is the following year she had she had stem cells this is about a year after she had stem cells. She was and I was looking at her and I didn't see any of this and I asked the owner. He said, "No, she absolutely." A year later, has absolutely perfect skin. So that's what I'd I, I pressed, pressed uh, Dr. Weiss and for looking at uh, possibly going out and and investigating how these dogs a year, two years afterwards, how they're doing. Well,
1: I would say, I I would say in my experience, I usually will see change within three to four weeks on a virgin dog. If I'm going to retreat, I will usually start seeing it as early as five to 10 days. So with that said, I, I tend to see it early. I would say that we're at least 80%. Now, when I say that there, most of them are lasting 12 to 18 months. And the one that I did about, it was a Burmese mountain dog that was, that dog lasted about five months, did extremely well. And these clients are very doubting. Um, I was disappointed that we didn't get longer than that. But most of the ones that that I do, it's somewhere around 12 to 18 months. I tend not to do a protocol. I mean, I know when I was hosting the webinar, Larry, that I I figured if I can do one and done, most likely I'm going to get more clients on board and I'm going to get more veterinarians to do this. And so my protocol is one and done uh, for allergies. Uh, With any type of case, I don't care if it's allergies, inflammatory bowel disease, uh, which again, I think we also get good success. Um, I mean, I want to say great success, but I'm going to say good success. And those dogs are confirmed. I mean, those are dogs are the ones that have been scoped and have been diagnosed truly inflammatory bowel disease. Um, I think the idea there is, is that I'll do one and done, but reevaluate somewhere be- right. between 60 and 90 days and decide whether or not to do it again. I think
2: the thing I was ta- talking about was just because they don't respond doesn't mean that it's not having an effect. I think that a lot of times that this in, this immunomodulation may take a lot longer than what I mean you've got rapid responders and you've got slow responders and I'm wondering if this slow responder may be a lot more durable a lot more long lasting we'll see on Gizmo the other one was a rottweiler poncho and uh he is doing, doing very, very well. But I would have loved to have gone back on some of these other dogs that were, quote, non-responders or less than optimal responders and see what the long-term results. And it may be the area that we're in. It may be the ana- or the, the allergens around here. It may be a combination of things. But I, I agree with, with you. If I can do one and done, we've done some Pimpicus. We've done a couple Pimpicus cases with, uh, with one and done. The dogs have been great. We've done uh, uh, some of the autoimmune polyarthritis. We've done a couple of those that the dogs have done well. I think one did 17 months, I think, on one dose. So I, I agree with you. That every Everything probably on the on the protocol they had out at K-State was they gave a dose. And I think in 30 days, if the dog wasn't responding, they, they gave a second dose because they had okay. two doses. But um, I... I, I agree with you fully that uh, man, this uh, for, for atopy for allergies,
1: I think it's a huge tool in your, your toolbox. Were box. Were they going between 5 and 10 million per kilo? Yep. I think they were targeting,
2: I think they, that was the target that they had was 5 to 10 million per kilo IV. Okay.
1: I would say, because I've been shortchanged a few times as far as not having enough cells to where, again, you get below 5. Million per kilo, you get a response. You get an, a response, but it doesn't last very long.
2: Some of these big dogs, it's awfully hard to get enough get enough cells. If you've got a hundred and twenty, hundred and forty pound <laughs> Great Pyrenees, you, you got a lot of cells you got to
1: come up with. You do, and again, that's that's a little bit of a downfall on the bigger dogs. But it seems like I don't know what you're getting on your kits, but I mean, getting it's unusual, huh? <laughs> You get a lot of cells for sure. Yeah, you get a lot of cells. I mean, we certainly tend to get on the small kits, you know, five hundred to a billion, and on the large kits over a billion. Yeah. I usually don't double on a large kit, but I mean, that's a lot of cells. And it, you're you're right. If it's a big dog, you're going to burn them fairly quickly. But do you remember? You remember the dose you got when Mike was out on your first dogs? Yeah. 20, 30 million, we I were happy.
2: This is 20 or 30 million. This is really a good year. Really yeah.
1: now. You know, but I would say, I, I, I would say that uh, great, I mean, even back then, how activated the cells were. Absolutely. Great for arthritic cases. I don't think until we started getting the cell numbers higher to really plunge into the internal medicine cases.
2: Arthritis is our first, I think you did, what'd you do yours in October or September? Yeah. Because we did ours the same year in November. Our first one was in November that year. Mike came out and did ours too. So,
1: not too much. But many I would
2: parts.
1: I would say, though, on those cases that we were getting 20, 30 million and given some IV, I mean, I think Mike noticed, I noticed, a few others noticed on the urinary incontinent issues. <laughs>
2: yeah, I can. That, and we had, you know, those are the ones, the, the little side benefits. And we've talked yeah. about those, uh, the thunderstorm anxiety dogs that no longer have thunderstorm anxiety dogs. The, the dogs that can't hear that now are hearing much better. I don't know. There are side benefits.
0: Yeah, yeah. Does anybody have a question? Hello? To... I've never even...
3: Hello? Can you hear me? Yes. There you yeah, go. Okay, sorry. Hi, um, uh, Dr. Newland and Dr. Snyder. Uh, my name is Malathi. I'm calling from New Jersey. I just wanted to know when you say one, uh, one and done, are you giving all the cells that you get from a large animal kit at one time and not banking?
1: No, one and done for me means that I'm. If I'm treating an internal medicine case, I'm looking. Well, most. Well, and again, this is going to be hard for the ones that haven't done a lot but we can kind of look at the conical and get a fairly good idea of how many cells we have. And then I'll try to divide it up that way to send off and then try to be somewhere closer to the 10 million per kilo and give that for an internal medicine case. I'll tone that down for arthritic cases so we can have more cells later on. But I think the idea when I say one and done is we always want to bank but I'd like to be able to do really all the cases, see how they respond, and not necessarily burn the cells on a protocol. So I really don't have any more protocols. I kind of wait and see what the dog tells me that, that he needs or doesn't need.
3: That's a better way to... Does that help? Yes. Yes. Uh, so you're looking at your yield in the tube when you're actually looking at the pellet. And determine how much to give the first time. And you're kind of gauging the count that would come back approximately.
1: Correct. And again, not always (laughs) are we correct, but I would say that we tend to err on the side lower, even though sometimes we'll be bold and go, you know what, that small kid, I think we got 800 million cells. So this is how I'm going to divide it up. And then it comes back a billion. So I would say more times than not, if we're wrong, we're wrong in the better direction, in a conservative direction. So we're, we we te- tend yeah we tend to be happier once Medivet calls the next day and tells us what we've got. <laughs> and I would say this just for anybody out there, you know, if you're going to make an impression, your first impression is always your best. So right. I wouldn't necessarily try to be stingy with yourselves on that client that you're doing the harvest. I would. Try to do what you can for that dog, and I know it's going to be difficult necessarily to gauge, especially if you've only done two or three or, or ten cases, but as you do more cases, the idea is, is that try to try to get the wow factor right off the bat. I'm not trying to save anything behind. Um, I'm trying to make an impression today.
2: And your tech's going to be and able to tell you, you, you a lot after a while. No. Uh,
3: And are you giving the allergy and IBD dogs all these stem cells IV?
1: Always IV. A lot of my internal medicine cases, those are my easiest cases uh, because of the fact that I will give them IV and I don't have anything to do with that. So my techs are the ones that does the processing of the cells and they'll administer the cells uh, once I divide them up. So there are some cases that I mean, I may be involved on the internal medicine cases, on the renal cases. I still like to go two thirds IV and one third IP. Something are not IP. I'm sorry, perirenal. My liver cases, I like to go two thirds IV and I like to go one third uh, directed IP towards the liver. And I'm just trying to shower the liver. That's all I'm trying to do. Okay.
3: How have you
1: been you. doing?
2: How, how have you been doing with your renal cases, Tom? How, I've, and canine and dogs have, I know a lot of people have been asking about that.
1: Well, Larry, remember a conversation we had probably about a year and a half ago where I asked your advice on a, a renal dysplasia dog? Uh-huh. I do. That dog was, uh, BUN was 167, creatinine 11, <laughs> phosphorus 16. I mean, I honestly looked at the, and this was confirmed by an internal medicine specialist. I looked at the dog, looked at the owner, and I told him, I'm afraid your dog's not going to make it through the harvest. That's how bad uh, this dog was. It's a Wheaton, of course. And so they're noted for this. And um, the, I, the idea is, is that made it through the harvest. The first two or three days was hell. But I do believe these cells are intestinal protectants because I've treated other renal cases with high BUNs and those dogs begin to eat and their numbers don't change that dramatically. But anyway, on that renal dysplasia case, that case went down to 45 BUN, creatinine was in the low threes, phosphorus, we were off off phosphorus binders for a year and then the dog. Exploded and we did retreat and didn't make much of a difference. But for that owner getting a year of good quality, where the internal medicine specialist was saying, You know what, you have no choice but to euthanize That's, that was big for that particular client. I have a
4: question. <laughs> have a question. Can, can anybody hear me? Yes,
0: yeah, we can hear you. Um,
4: this is, hey, this is Dr. England. Um, hey. I um, I have, um, a client who I did stem cell on, uh, one of his dogs uh, he was in today. Uh, it was one that had, um, um, bilateral medial patellar lux. And by the time I saw it, it was, you know, not at all a surgical candidate. So we did stem cell and he's thrilled with, it. I mean, the dog, the dog, it, it, really, it was, it was a very special moment because this dog could barely move. And now it's just trotting up and down the hall, It's been, um, exactly, I think eight months and it looks it looks great. But he's got a pug that has severe collapsing trachea. Has anyone used this for collapsing trachea?
2: No. I okay. have not.
4: Has anyone used I've got another client? And I can't I don't feel like I can promise these people anything. Um megacolon and cats. Anybody tried
2: it? Do we know oh. about that? I, I think a little bit on, on megacolon, didn't we, Anne? as far as
4: I, I think I've asked it before, but I don't remember now if um, if, it, if it, no one had tried it or we just didn't know. Um, and I just keep, you know, I'm, I'm a persistent fisherman. I just keep throwing Ann, that line out there.
2: Tom, That's good. <laughs> and takes and does more creative things with stem cells than I think I've ever uh, I've ever seen, especially in cats. She's a, she's a cat magician.
4: Cats. I've got a, a renal cat to do actually tomorrow. Um, but um, yeah, it's amazing in renal cats. Love it. Um, but I, you know, I've got these other cases. Also, has anyone used it um, for cataracts? I had any experience no. with cataracts getting better? You know, faster? Jim
2: Bridge. Jim Bridge was talking about that. He was doing. Um, do you remember Jim Bridge, Tom? No. In California, no. Jim I think has moved. But on the on pugs with the with the. The pigmentary keratitis, and then he was doing dry eye and having pretty good luck using using stem uh, cell oh, yeah, dry you can tell eye. you told us about that, and yeah.
4: I, mm-hmm. And
2: I think he had made a comment about cataracts. I can't remember exactly, but I think he had made a comment about about seeing some improvement with cataracts. the the uh, The mega I was I was looking at a little anatomy just uh, just for where those that those nerves. Come off of a little higher. Those come off up in the um, upper lumbar area, if I remember right. Or I think I, I looked through that through that through the plexus. And I was because I was wondering, could we take and do epidural? Can you take and do epidural, or can you get cells around that colon and have an effect? I don't I don't know. I'm not sure that that epidural would be the answer because the these nerve roots come off so so much farther anterior. Then, uh, then I think the epidural might go, but but possibly getting them into that uh, into that caudal abdomen around that colon, there may be something there. I I don't know. Do You think a possibility, Tom? Or
1: yeah, but I I would also say, I mean, if you're doing anything internal like that, I would always make sure that you give enough cells IV. IV. Of oh, course. Cool. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Does anybody else have any questions uh, for uh, for for Dr. Newland or for Dr. Snyder? We'd love to hear from can you. Make sure from you do make it off off from you. Can, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, we can hear you. Perfect. Uh, so what about like orthopedic injections? Would you still do IV also? Like I for- almost I
1: almost I almost always I almost do always IV do with, with IV everything. Everything. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. That was and the I- and the I- yeah the the yeah. idea there is that you I <laughs> I still don't think we're going to be as smart as the cells. So where you think they need to be, that's great. But I think you need to give the cells also the ability to move where they need to move, and not to say that they can't move intracellular. They can move um, or intercellular. But I think again, the mode of transportation IV gives them probably a better opportunity to hit home sooner. So I I almost always, I'm going to be doing a case, a, a cruciate uh, here next week that also has had a myxosarcoma that I removed and then has gone through stereotactic radial therapy. I'll still call it therapy. They want to call it surgery. But um, anyway, I'm not concerned uh, enough to not do it, um, but I am going to only do joint injections. So dog also has left-sided hip dysplasia slash arthritis and uh, right-sided um, ACL uh, tear. So we're gonna go just injections only.
2: One thing, one thing on that point, I, I've been reviewing quite a few papers and there, were, there was one paper where they were talking about cancer and stem cells. It was interesting. As far as if you, take, if you take stem cells and inject them into a tumor, inject them into the tumor, more than likely those cells are going to go ahead and be induced into, into promoting the tumor.
0: But if those cells are given IV or
2: around the tumor, now it's a different matter. It depends on where you put the stem cells as far as what they how they affect the tumor, which may be why we're seeing some of this conflicting... Conflicting information on on stem cells promote cancer and stem cells fight cancer. It depends
1: on how they're delivered. Well, and I would say, Larry, that probably, um, because I think again at the beginning, I was probably more uh, outwardly cautious on the webinar because of three cases that I believe I got burned on. Um, But I do believe that probably most cancers how we deliver them, stem cells are not going to be an issue. I think there are a very few cancers that it could be. And the two that I would watch out for would be osteosarcoma and hemangiosarcoma. Those three cases that I looked at on that osteosarcoma case, and it looked arthritic to me up in the shoulder area. And I, again, Roddy, shoulder, older dog, I saw nothing that looked lytic and uh, 42 days later, that dog was euthanized due to a lightning fast osteosarcoma. Hemangiosarcoma, those two dogs were roughly 21 and 22 days. So anyway, that was, I mean, those would be two that, you know, I I would always have in the back of my mind um, just because of past experience. Now, Fortunately, that happened years ago, Um, and it's, you know, I haven't had any issues for a long time, but I do believe those two tumors have the potential uh, with stem cells, and, you know, we're, we're, on the orthopedic cases, it seems like we're doing the older dogs, and we're doing the large older dogs, and again, you know, like, these cells do not induce cancer, but I think there's probably something to some of these dogs with some of these tumors that it could excite them. So, or, and you and I have been been
2: involved with enough enough cases of those too, to where even without the cells, they can blow up that fast.
1: Absolutely. Um, but again,
2: yeah, you yeah, have to take, you have to, you have to, in the back of your mind, and I understand, in the back of your mind, you're going, oh my God, what would have happened if I wouldn't have used the cells? And it's,
1: well, if you wouldn't, they're still going to blow up. Yeah. I just don't think they're probably going to blow up as quickly on some of those dogs as, and I always let people know that. I mean, I let people know that if there is a malignant tumor somewhere and let them know that, you know, there's, there's always going to be some risk, but out of all the cases it's a nominal risk for the amount of outcome and joy the clients get. I mean, it really is. I've said it before on the webinar. It is like a Visa commercial. I mean, you can, you can, I can see yeah, it. you can't, yeah, you can't, you can't buy it. You can't pay for it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's one of those things that clients just, Oh, I'll give you a case that we did a year and a half ago, Belgian Malinois agility. Broke its talus bone in its left ankle. They went ahead and surgically fixed it. It fell apart. Basically, they were talking about fusion or amputation. This lady reached out, came over to see us. I wanted, because again, somebody was in there prior to us, I wanted joint tap, cytology, culture and sensitivity. The dog passed the test there. We did stem cells. This dog is going to the nationals this year in October. So if anybody watches the nationals, it's Foo Fighter is the name of the dog. And honestly, if that dog wins, that's going to be huge because again, the there's just, and again, I'm not saying that the people that were the, some of the specialists that were seeing this dog were wrong and shouldn't say fusion, or, or arthrodesis and, and, or amputation. I mean, the dog was sore, but we didn't do any bandaging. All we did was stem cells, Larry, and rest. That's all we did. Hey. And it was hard for her to rest that dog. I can imagine those, that breed, how do you rest them? You don't. Yeah. But again, this dog's going to the nationals in October. That's amazing. That's one of those aha, amazing moments.
2: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. That's that's
2: one of the ones to where you you try and that's for for everybody and you were when you were talking about the cancer. It's like you do due diligence and you talk to the owner and the owner informed yeah, you hate to call it informed consent, but it it is you're you're going through everything that might go wrong or or you're letting them make the decision.
1: And that's part of the communication that you have to do with every owner. Absolutely. And I wanna state one other thing about cancer. The fact of the matter, I had a smart client. This was probably, I don't know, two years into doing this. So probably 2012, 2013. The client goes, okay, I understand. So if this giving stem cells, if this dog would get cancer down the road, it would be, and I go, no, no, no. These cells we believe hang around maybe up to 120 days. So again, it's not that we give stem cells today, and if your dog gets a diagnosis of cancer a year from now, you don't have to fret about the fact that, oh my God, I gave stem cells. So I want clients to know that also. There may be a short period of time that these cells could possibly, unlikely, but possibly cause some, some stimulation. It's not for the rest of the dog's life. It's
2: client education, Tom. It is. 100%.
0: Dr. Newland, uh, before we kind of close everything out, I really wanted to talk to you about your success in getting a lot of your pet owners to use pet insurance and helping them with a lot of these procedures. Because, you know, Dr. Snyder, we've talked about this the last couple of webinars, uh, just how you can target pet owners to, you know, try to get them in on pet insurance because it's such a great proactive step just to kind of get, their, get your foot in the door and get the, give them a greater opportunity to get the treatment that their dogs need. Uh, so Dr. Newland, can you kind of go into how you use pet insurance in your clinic and kind of how you talk to your pet owners about pet insurance? I can.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know what? I'm going to use this example. So I was invited. There were 20 three or 24 practitioners, owners like you and I, Larry, that were invited to this premier event. And there was a guest speaker and that guest speaker was talking about how to elevate your practice. And basically he was talking about financially. So anyway, everything was set out there on how to increase revenue in your practice. And I came up, And I said, you know what, what you can do that can increase your revenue is pet insurance. And guess what? It's free. It doesn't cost you as a practice owner a dime. And again, I'm just going to state this, this supposedly premier speaker said, you know what, I really don't have a lot of faith in pet insurance. And you know what, (laughs) we promote pet insurance. Yeah, I mean we pr- we promote pet insurance for the pet, not for our income, but for the pet. So if you can get them on before pre-existing conditions, that's a good thing for the owner, especially a lot of owners. They're used to a car payment. They're used to an insurance payment for themselves. So it's not as bad as a seven or eight grand bill. And what I mean by that is we have a fair number of cruciate clients that they'll get a TTA by our surgeon in here and I'll, we'll tag team together. I'll do the harvest first, he does the TTA and then I'll come back and do the injections. That dog's walking out the door at 76, 77, 7,800 bucks. So that I believe is real income that didn't cost me a dime. So again, I think it's important for the pet mainly But if you want to jump over to the other side and and be an owner, it is one of the free things that you can do, and I mean free, to pass out brochures and make sure, I would make sure we only promote insurances that promote stem cell. That's just what we're going to do. Um, Because again, all the services are basically the same. You know, there's not one great insurance over everybody else, but they need to promote stem cell. They need to pay for it, and again, I think that's one way. Now, I know what Dylan wants me to get to is, let's say we have a dog that has a pre-existing condition, like a cruciate, and the dog also has allergies. I don't see why I can't run it through as allergies. Exactly. Um, I agree. Then, and, and again, I don't think that that's dishonest. I am going to treat the dog for allergies. I can't tell the cells not to go to that cruciate site. <laughs> I can't tell the cells not to go to the arthritic sites. So I think for all the right reasons, there's many ways creatively in a good way that we can help our pets and our clients um, and not necessarily be deceitful. The nice thing about Medivet, because they still do compassionate care use, I take that dog that has a concern with a cruciate but also has allergies, now they're getting compassionate care use. That's a win-win situation for the client.
0: It's all about helping helping those pets at the end of the day, and really it's anything that you can do to get that pet the treatment that they need, right?
1: Absolutely. That's exactly. Now, I am going to say this about insurance. Uh, As long as they're receiving more premiums than what they are dishing out, they're really easy to work with. So don't get tied on one insurance company. Don't, because the idea there is is that once they start paying more out than what they're bringing in, then what'll happen is is that you'll see what they're covering gets less and less. So you got to be ready. On and again, like Figo, which you know three years ago was kind of a new player. Uh, I think they're still a good player. Uh, they cover stem cell, no questions asked. So, again, but am I tied to FIGO? No, not at all. Um, You know, we have to watch um, and make sure that they don't start cutting coverages.
2: Tom, one thing that we talked about a little bit before was uh, the premiums for insurance really fit into millennials' lifestyle.
1: Absolutely.
2: Because they're used to, they want things on a payment schedule. They want things to monthly payments, everything on a payment schedule. They're good with that. They'd rather do a monthly payment than they would to have be hit with a big bill that you were talking about. So for the, for your younger clients, absolutely go at that. They, they should be a, just a, a very big, big audience for the, for the insurance.
1: You know, I used to say in the old days when it was VPI, which they would tend to gather. And again, if anybody's from Tennessee, I'm not, I'm not dogging you, but they would sit there and figure out what it would cost in Tennessee for cystotomy. And that's what they're going to reimburse. And it that wasn't doesn't funny. fly. Yeah. That doesn't fly over here. So again, back then I used to tell clients or credit card, get a credit card by itself. That now is your pet insurance. But I would say that that's not true anymore. I think again, uh, I think right now is a good time to be promoting pet insurance. And I think the, the older clients also appreciate, uh, a monthly. If, they, if they've if they got a fixed income and they're retired and they can fit it into their fixed income, they will, as opposed to, again, a seven grand bill down the road.
2: It's cheaper. Well, to them, they'd much rather make small, small payments and they wouldn't be hit with that big, overwhelming bill. Because unfortunately, and you know this as well as I, that you talk to people about a $7,000 procedure, you're going to have to bring euthanasia into that on a lot of on a lot of cases, and that's this just eliminates having to having to have that conversation with people
1: It does, and a lot of them are, are uh, a 90 ten plan or an 80 20 plan. I mean it's not uncommon for a seventy five hundred dollar procedure, and the owner's walking out paying you know seven hundred and fifty bucks
0: yep. that's
1: pretty and good. And
0: So does anybody else have any questions uh, for Dr. Newland or Dr. Snyder about pet insurance or quote unquote" allergy dogs or really anything related to stem cell therapy or Medivet? Uh,
3: Is Dr. England still on? Could I ask a question about cats?
0: Hey, Dr. England, you still there?
3: (laughs) Yes, I'm still here. Um, My question is, at what iris stage of chronic renal failure do you start talking stem cell? And when you give the stem cells, um, you're giving them IV, like uh, I think Dr. Newland said, two thirds um, IV and one third perirenal. Are you getting it into the retroperitoneal space and is it ultrasound guided?
4: No, I, I have not uh, done that. I mean, that may, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, if how many are are doing that, I usually give them, uh, as close to the, uh, the kidney area as I can, uh, but I just do them IP. I start talking to the owners when I diagnose the case in Iris 2. Um, but I've got one that's in Iris 3 I'm doing tomorrow. um, but I, you know, I think I think pre, you know what's preferable. You know, is is iris too because they come through the surgical procedure so much easier you know, the harvesting. Okay, thank but you. But it, it, it's it really is quite amazing, and I know a lot of people have said that they don't really see the numbers move much, but I really have. Um, I, I haven't had a case that I didn't see the um, the BUN and creatinine come down.
3: And do You give it all IP in one dose,
4: or do you store? No, it? no. I always bank it. Yeah. Um, y- usually, I, I will administer on the first, um, you know, administration. Usually, about um, about a fourth of my total yield. Now, and cats, I, if if there is any way in the world, I go with a large kit. I don't. I, I haven't used a small kit in so long; it's unreal. You know. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, I, uh, then divide that usually give about, um, half IV and about half IP.
3: Half IV and half IP. And do you still draw as much blood for the PRP and use 40 grams of fat? You draw 20? Uh, I don't know.
4: I do not draw, uh, that much blood. I I usually only use two, uh, you know, tubes. Um, and, and I judge the that PRP. size of yeah. cat, what they you know wh- what the hematocrit is. You just kind of have to judge that. But no, okay. no, I, I'm very cautious on how much uh, blood I, I, you know I, I take.
0: Yes. Oh, well, thank you everybody for joining us tonight, Doctor Newland. I really appreciate you coming on for the interview. Uh, Doctor Larry Snyder, as always, thank you very much.
2: Oh, my uh, pleasure. I, it's so good to Dr. hear Tom's voice again and hear him laugh. <laughs> I was waiting, but I was waiting for the words, and you and you just didn't do it. You let me down. What, how
0: nice the weather is out down here? No, no,
2: no. no. As far as priceless.
0: It is priceless. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Thank you all. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening in to Medivet Roundtable. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button to keep up to date on all of our latest content. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Medivet Biologics. And for more testimonials or information, visit our Facebook page or go to medivetbiologics.com.